0: wellnesscoach.com streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life.
1: This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I tricked Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me and their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for a bigger size families and express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what
0: you think. Without further ado, ladies onto the show. Good evening, good morning. Hey there, wonderful listeners. Thank you for joining us today on Wellness Men Radio. I'm Ashley.
1: And I'm Andrea, and don't forget you can follow us on social media. So we are The Wellness Women on Facebook, The Wellness Women Official on Instagram. I am drandrea.xo on the gram and The Period Whisperer on Facebook, and you can find Ashley on drashleybond.com, or just drashleybond on everything, and also her website is also drashleybond.com, which is nice.
0: How are you doing, Ash? Fantastic. Rolling through another wonderful week and uh, finally getting to the end of a week with a two-week break ahead So very excited! Our first two-week holiday of the year, so (laughs) long overdue. Um, Definitely some (laughs) MBS, yeah. Definitely due for some uh, downtime and some quiet time, rest and recharge. So. Speaking of rest and recharge, let's talk about some of the things that, uh, you know, women need to do to get their, their conception and their fertility on track. And tonight we're going to, I guess, talk about one of those uh, very key and very important topics for women, which is related to subfertility or infertility, you know, the journey towards conception, you know, the journey towards starting a family, which can be an absolute emotional roller coaster, uh, particularly when there's, you know, obviously a lot of women have done a lot of planning and they're still not able to conceive and one of the big things that comes up, um, and a lot of women will know about this, and they'll obviously want to go to their doctor and test for it. But we often talk about thyroid function and how that affects fertility. So today we're going to have a chat about that, and just uh, some of the reasons why you know women will be sent away with a you know I know your thyroid's fine, but we really you know discover that there actually is thyroid problem, and it can be a, you know a linchpin for the reason why that couple is not conceiving. Both men and women, obviously, you know men are just as susceptible to uh, thyroid dysfunction in terms of that conception journey, but we. We tend to put a lot of the load onto the women because we're more prone to autoimmune disorders and things that do affect our thyroid. So Andrew, I know you love, love the realm of uh, you know, thyroids and hormones and <laughs> <laughs> all of this. So I'm probably going to land a lot of this on your shoulders tonight, but um, you know, I guess from my perspective, I'm always interested in this because we've you know had no troubles at all conceiving Ollie and we're, we're having a bit of a, you know, a more challenging time on the journey towards hopefully our second child. So yeah, this has certainly come up in conversation and certainly things that I've been tested for and some blood tests we've run and, you know, some monitoring and assessments. And uh, yeah, I guess, you know, first hand experience now, unfortunately, as they always say, some of those journeys you're on are, are the best teachers because you learn firsthand what it means and um, what everything, uh, I guess, involves. So um, <laughs> I guess I'm unfortunately starting to learn a bit more about it by default of necessity. So um, yeah, let's talk about that because I think, you know, it's, uh, it yeah. can be an emotional journey for everyone involved in this part of it. And that's both, you know, both partners. I find that, you know, it's just frustrating for the guys or the partner as it is for, for the woman that's having that challenge. And, uh, and it can really be, Um, expensive. You know, if you're not uh, able to access testing um, on Medicare like we do here in Australia, very privileged, I think we are, you know, in this country I know in other countries that is just not the case and to even go to a doctor and ask for thyroid testing, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars out of pocket, so it's not something that's um, easy or accessible for a lot of women. So, you know, we do know we're privileged here in Australia to be able to access that quickly and and easily, but um, at the same time, we want to make sure we're testing the right things, that we're finding out what we need to know and addressing that with the appropriate treatment whether it be diet lifestyle or any other intervention
1: yeah and ash um you sort of just touched on a really vulnerable thing there which i have the most immense amount of respect for you to you know be talking about that so openly and i really hope that this um because when i presented uh, this to Ash I was like hey let's talk about the thyroid fertility connection um, it definitely in I hope it wasn't an insensitive thing bringing that up for no. you and wanting you to delve really deeply into this and um, Ash I know without shadow of a doubt and I can say this is absolute um, you know confidence is that you are definitely not infertile by any stretch of the imagination and we know that and I think that um, some of the challenges that you've had of late I think is purely just a result of um, exhaustion and you you know just being absolute superwoman and pushing yourself so much and i think that what we see time and time again um with our patients as well particularly second time round with second bub um is that we just can't always get away with the things that we did first time round <laughs>
0: Yep, yeah, very true. And I, I'm definitely well aware of that. But, you know, like all women, um, you know, who I guess are sitting in my shoes and some of them on longer journeys and more challenging journeys. And, uh, definitely when you start to get into reproductive medicine and going down the pathways of IBS and all that, you know, there's a, there's a lot at stake. Um, we haven't gone down that yeah. path, you know, at this point, but I can understand why it comes up and the, the attention towards that thyroid function and, yeah, but they told me it's fine. I think that's a really interesting one because often yeah. I hear this, this conversation. It's like, I've had this check to that. Yeah, 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 everything's fine. Um, but really what's not being addressed is the fact that even, you know, mild variations in thyroid function can still look like they're within a normal range, but they're affecting fertility for that woman. So, um, we're going to talk about that tonight because I think, you know, some fertility is, uh, incredibly prevalent in the sense that we are seeing more and more women who are having challenges towards either their first, second, third. It really doesn't matter how many children Mm -hmm. involved. Um, There's there's stages and and phases in a woman's life when this, you know, becomes – um, important because they're, you know, they're trying for a child. So, um, and often, you know, you won't test for these things unless there's a reason to, you know, like as in, why would you just go to the doctor on any given year of your life and test thyroid function unless you're actually intentionally trying to create something in your health or life, um, to make a change. So yeah. this is why it's often found out as a last line, you know, sort of, I guess, knock on effect of like lifestyle diets and other things at a time when we're ready and ready and waiting and wanting and. Um, it can be really hard at that point to to be patient enough to do the things that we need to do to change it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tonight we are going to talk about um, essentially the connection between your thyroid function and your fertility um, and why that that's important and also why this is a standard part of a fertility workup as well. So not a lot of people and also not even um, people in reproductive medicine will even draw that bow between ovarian function and thyroid function because often once you get to the point of going down the route of assisted reproductive um, sort of intervention, often it doesn't matter what the problem was in the first place because they're going to intervene with whatever it takes as it is. Um, And often an assessment is made. And I find it really interesting that when we're looking at Uh, thyroid function for fertility or pregnancy purposes, the reference ranges are more strict than what they are for just women um, just in general. So if we're assessing thyroid function in um, just a normal sort of healthy population just to assess for, you know, like a good women's health checkup, the medical reference ranges are different. And I think that in itself speaks to the fact that there is it is important to look closely at the thyroid and also we know that there's such a huge prevalence of autoimmune thyroid conditions that we see all the time, so whether that's overt or subclinical, so it hasn't got to that point of actual um, maybe, you know, pathological diagnosis in, um, I guess, the medical realm or what they think would need to be treated with pharmaceuticals or hormone replacement. And a lot of those thyroid conditions are autoimmune in nature, And so if you remember that, you will also be able to see that of um, miscarriages and fertility issues at the moment for so many people, um, about 20% of that is from autoimmune factors. And untreated hypothyroidism is absolutely associated with spontaneous miscarriage, recurrent pregnancy loss, decreased conception rates, um, increased fetal loss. Um, If you can hear all of the... Um, like furrowing behind me it's because Loki is in here trying to get his ball out from underneath my um, bookcase (laughs) and like obviously Dean's away at the moment so he's like desperate for my attention and won't leave my side but sorry ladies if you can hear that in the background that is my delightful little dingo being really um, frustrating but anyway if it keeps up I'll kick him out um ash that's not too distracting is it no
0: i think i think it'll be okay for now but uh, yeah i can hear the cheeky boy in the background <laughs>
1: okay i think he'll be able to get his ball by himself um so ladies sorry about that and hopefully that doesn't detract from the important things that i was just saying there and that is that untreated hypothyroidism so when we have a down regulation our thyroid function and an increase in our thyroid stimulating hormone production um it is associated with You know, obviously, um, subfertility, increased fetal loss, um, increased risk of miscarriage and everything else. And um, this is looked at whenever um, the TSH is over 2.5. So when it's between that range of 2.5 to 4, um, and it's uh, depending on the reference ranges that you're looking at, it's usually M international units per litre. Um, So this is a dramatic increased risk as opposed to those women who have a TSH level of 2.5 or below. So this is also why we change our parameters um, and we're much stricter on what we think are normal reference ranges for thyroid function. And um, ladies, uh, if you haven't listened to the other episodes that we've done on thyroid function, on subclinical hypothyroidism um, or any of those sorts of things, then go and listen to those first because I think that's probably a really good starting point. Um, so we also know that thyroid hormone requirements increase for pregnant women, especially in the first trimester, and that's also why we keep a really close eye on that. And so your TSH will naturally increase in the first trimester and then it will um, sort of come back to within a normal range naturally on its own for the most part. Um, we also see an increased frequency of thyroid antibodies, which means that um, this is an increased autoimmune response of the body so where the immune system is actually starting to now um, wreak havoc on the thyroid gland itself so even when all other markers of your normal thyroid testing is considered to be normal if we have an increased um, number of these thyroid antibodies on testing we also know that's associated with an increased risk of miscarriage as well so again there's lots of reasons why this happens and just remember that when women get stressed they stimulate and activate all of our autoimmune pathways. Whereas when men get stressed, they tend to um, flare up a lot of their inflammatory pathways. So they're different pathways within the immune system, which is also why women are so much more likely to have autoimmune conditions, including hypothyroid issues as opposed to men. Um, And whether or not you have either an overactive or an underactive Thyroid, or you have hyper or hypothyroidism, either of these can have profound impacts on your estrogen and androgen metabolism. So your androgens obviously being, you know, your DHEA, your testosterone and all of those sorts of things. And testosterone and your androgens are essential for helping to mature eggs in the ovary. This is what then converts into oestrogen to give us that peak to allow for ovulation to happen in the first place. And really good levels of appropriate androgen or testosterone production is what helps to make um, good quality eggs as well, so more robust eggs that are more likely to be fertilised and more likely to carry through the the stages of embryological development too. Um, So I think it's really important to understand that um, normal Thyroid function uh, needs to happen so that we've got good levels of both estrogen, androgens, and vice versa as well. So there's this hypothalamic-pituitary-ovarian-thyroid axis, where as estrogen production or um, goes up, if it becomes excessive, it slows the thyroid down, and vice versa. So there's this very intricate kind of um, oh, just cyclical events that happen um that are so importantly intertwined that have to work like that beautiful symphony orchestra of um of of balance i guess we're always referring to our hormonal system as like this symphony orchestra because it's exactly kind of how it um is it's sort of the best metaphor for that i think um and that is definitely no different when we look at our thyroid function and our estrogen and androgen hormones the other thing that I also want you to remember is that if we have an increased thyrotropin releasing hormone levels, this will increase prolactin. Remember, prolactin is, I um, think of it like the breastfeeding hormone. And when prolactin increases, this reflexively reduces progesterone production, which gives us delayed luteinizing hormone responses. So delayed ovulatory pulses. And that also means that there's a delay in this communication between our ovaries and our brain. So isn't that interesting? So as our thyrotropin hormone, releasing hormone goes up, prolactin also goes up, progesterone goes down, um, ovulation potential goes down, communication between our ovaries and our brain goes down as well. All right, are you still with me?
0: Oh, 100%. But I just think, <laughs> I, you know, it just think it's so yeah. interesting how that interplay, you know, obviously with women, um, it, this, it, this affects men, but just in different ways, you know, just how all those interplays are so crucial to the specific hormones that dictate our life and our journey um, because I know thyroid function is something they're testing men for subfertility as well. So, um, mm. But, you know, how it affects them is in, in slightly different mechanisms. And, of course, um, when you're looking at a male's role in terms of the conceptive of journey and that, you know, a lot of women forget that they don't often test men for thyroid dysfunction. And yet our diet, lifestyle, chemical exposures means that men are, are also susceptible to dysfunction, I think, um the reason being there is that, you know, just like women, that role of that T3 and T4 play a really important role in the development and function of the testes. And this is where, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've looked at it from both sides because, um, well, because of who we are, right? We always think it's yeah. two to tango, whereas a lot of partners take on that role of, oh, it's a woman's journey, it's a woman's this, it's a woman's that. Um, but, I you know, I think think I found it really interesting to look at the different mechanisms there and you know hyperthyroidism that overactivity was reducing things like semen volume um yep. Sperm density, sperm motility, sperm morphology, um, and yeah. morphology is obviously the size and shape of those sperm. And then you go the other way and you get the hypothyroidism, and that's that reduction in sperm morphology as well. So whether it's up or down, any deviation of normal is changing the size and shape and function of sperm, which, you know, again, super important in that conceptive journey. So I guess I always like to say it, it is a woman's role to, uh, you know, to carry pregnancy, but it's, it's, you know, two people or or two cells that have to come together to make that pregnancy. So, you know, both players are responsible in the outcome and um, that's something that I think a lot of women forget to take on board. They take a lot of responsibility for the outcome and really, you know, often won't check these things in their partner and it can be pretty frustrating when you find out later on that something, you know, was involved um, on the other side of the conceptive journey and you really could have done something about that. So, the nice thing is though, any recommendations we made tonight um, regarding how to, to to help and restore thyroid function um, apply to both you know male and female or to, to both sperm and egg essentially um, and yes. I, I think that that's really important to realize too that you know, this is why it's so good to do these tests as couples to do the recovery of the journey you know towards fertility together um, and not take too much on board ladies because I know that being the fixer and the solver that I am it was all about me you know it was all about me all about me and I was like hang on why am I putting so much pressure on my shoulders? We need to check this stuff together. Um, and that was really important part of just realizing their shared responsibility and the outcome. So, um. Yes. I'm so happy to hear that. And, you know, also because, and I had
1: a conversation with a patient about this today, you know, men are, I think, physiologically much simpler creatures than what we are. And <laughs> I, I'm sure if I left out the word physiologically there, they wouldn't be that happy. But, um, it, you know, fixing their hormonal stuff is just so much easier. It's so much less complicated and it changes so much quicker as well. Um, so, you know, even for that reason, guys should be so much more willing to, uh you know do the testing um come to the party and you know do the things and act as if with women as well um and i know like obviously ash in in your situation i I know that pete would absolutely be on board and the good thing is that i think that men are really waking up to this and really wanting to be on board with those sorts of things and doing whatever it takes as well which is so nice
0: So let's talk about some of the things that damage thyroid because I think it's important for people to sort of get this picture that it's not just a, you know, some sort of hormonal dysregulation that it's something wrong with the thyroid. Thyroid is directly affected um, by multiple different sources. And I think generally speaking, the, the key issues stem from things like high levels of stress. Uh, there's mm-hmm. obviously infections as well you know that are, sometimes need to be checked for uh, nutrient deficiencies are a player autoimmune disorders um, and definitely exposure to things like chemicals pesticides heavy metals um, there's yeah. even suggestion that even high levels of fluoridation you know can be affecting mm-hmm. the thyroid as well um, yeah. and of course then there's the suspicions around electromagnetic radiation um, and then of course there's a genetic component there's always that possibility but to realize that there's multiple different you know, influences on that thyroid um, allows us opportunities to see, okay, what, what are the key players? How can we address this concern? Because I think, you know, on a medical model, the addressing thyroid hormones is always about regulating or changing that thyroid dysfunction with the addition of thyroid yeah. hormones, or, you yeah. know, rather than saying first and foremost, let's address lifestyle factors
1: yeah yeah exactly i love that and uh, ash the things that i always look for first first and foremost is always gluten Mm -hmm. so gluten has such a massive impact on on the thyroid um and we go through this in detail in some of our previous podcasts so we don't need to rehash that now but um getting off gluten i think is one of the most important things to do whenever there's thyroid issues involved um just use caution with things like um raw goitrogen so these are essentially your cruciferous vegetable spectrum um so they can be an issue for some people particularly if they're raw um non-steroidal anti-inflammatories um can be can wreak havoc on thyroid dysfunction certainly the chemicals in the personal care products that you referenced dash particularly bpa Mm. um your metabolic stuff that you went into one thing that i'd just like to mention is that particularly because it's so popular at the moment ketogenic diets can be really disruptive for a woman's fertility in particular affecting thyroid function because when you get into that state of ketosis particularly for a long period of time it actually increases your reverse T3 and your reverse T3 then um, and that is because of increased cortisol production that then decreases your T3 and your T4 so essentially you've got a shutdown of your thyroid function happening so just be really careful with some of the dietary choices that you're making um, when it comes to those sorts of things We'll get into some um, some tips in just a second. I just thought I'd go through just a really quick list of, um, so these are five things that we normally see that can be tied back to thyroid issues as well, and that can be irregular periods, heavy bleeding, and ovulation, so um, essentially cycles where you're not ovulating. Um, miscarriage and preterm birth can all be associated back to thyroid function um, and that hypothalamic pituitary ovarian thyroid axis too. Um, There was a study published uh, five years ago in the Journal of Endocrinology and Metabolism, and it found that subclinical hypothyroidism can interfere with fertility and is 50% more common than overt hypothyroidism. So um, in the sense that it's having a huge impact in fertility and we're not picking it up. Um, And higher levels of TSH, so your thyroid stimulating hormone, was associated with a longer time to conceive in 80% of um, women. Um, And uh, sorry, 80% of the women with spontaneous miscarriages were positive thyroid antibodies. So we know that The women who had miscarriages, 80% of those had some sort of autoimmune thing starting with their thyroid function as well. So, ladies, this is really, really important to check particularly if there's any fertility stuff happening. um, I would suggest doing a full thyroid function panel, which includes your TSH, TSH, Free T3, free T4, um, all of your antibodies. And um, I like looking at reverse T3 as well, um, is just my preference. I like to see TSH between 0.5 to 2.5 at at its upper limit. I like to see T4 over 15 and T3 over 5, and then your antibodies next to nothing, um, just as that's my strict reference ranges for optimal function um okay so let's get into some of the most important nutrients um, to look for to help to improve your thyroid function and the ones that i always go to first is vitamin d because vitamin d is essential for your t4 um, hormone converting down into t3 um, also zinc selenium and also iodine but you really need to use caution with iodine if there are any elevated antibodies as well and good old magnesium
0: Always magnesium. Yeah, and isn't it, I mean, almost ironic that we live here in Australia we're in one of the most uh, sunbeaten countries on the planet, but, you know, endemic is vitamin D deficiency. So, you know, we often talk about this in Australia because our campaigns, our slip, cat slap campaigns have been so effective. A lot of people are not getting appropriate exposure. Their bodies are not able to utilize that uh, sunlight exposure for vitamin D production. So, you know, this is something that, you know, for someone who's sitting in an office all day long, getting very little exposure to the sun, maybe getting a small dose on weekends, mm. um, covering up in sunscreen and hats and everything to protect the body, obviously, with the risk of skin cancer. But as a consequence of that, you know, Australia does have one of the poorer rates of vitamin D levels in the world which is so so interesting so yeah yeah, definitely i always recommend people just to test that vitamin d i think we actually talked about that didn't we last time andrew some of the original testing i did like it was missed and i didn't think to say it at the time i just assumed it was on that um prescription to go and get the the blood works done and then all of a sudden i was like oh (laughs) no vitamin d yeah and uh that was really interesting and so important like
1: for all uh, fertility parameters is checking vitamin D and keeping it in a really optimal range
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah definitely something that needs to be checked Um, good thing is all those things can be supplemented you know so all the things you just referred to the zinc the magnesium the vitamin D these are all things that uh, can be supplemented very effectively so hence the reason testing it doesn't leave you to a dead end you know if you find out things are suboptimal or on the lower end of normal then absolutely you know you can include supplementation to to bring that up and to support those biochemical pathways so that's always a good thing about testing you know sometimes people don't want to test stuff because they don't want to find out you know you don't want to find out how bad it is or because i I hear people say that i'm like why haven't you done that i just don't want i don't want to know i don't want to find out how bad it is i'm like what come on now um finding out you know first step to to helping anything is to test and to measure and to track so you can actually (laughs) create change so yeah i I quite like the idea of testing um even doubt test it out figure it out what's going on and uh and then and supplement appropriately and the good thing is too, dietary lifestyle changes make such a huge difference on fertility time and time and time and time again it's clean up your diet and drop your stress and i think those two things are you know some of the most common formulations for uh, improving fertility uh, particularly in women yes and also remember that 80% of couples
1: will conceive within two years of trying without any intervention, Hmm. which I think is really, really good odds. So um, hopefully that is a little bit more inspiring than some of the other um, awful statistics that you may have seen before. All right. So ladies, I think that's a pretty good summation of the thyroid fertility connection. Hopefully we didn't lose you in the middle then when it all got a bit heavy. Um, But ladies, you have been listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the wellness women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston. We are raising the bar for women's health. And until next week, be well.
0: This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter, The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.